0: going on, you guys? It was awesome to be outside for a change, right? We'll have to work on some gaga ball pit rules. Um, We got some dirty players out there. Um, (laughs) uh, Totally kidding. I'm just a bad, I'm a sore loser. So anyway, um, I'm excited to be up here, you guys. Um, So one of the things that I love about this time of year is school is ending right? Like, some of you are like, dude, vacay mode is like four days away, right? Like, I'm going to do nothing but sleep all summer, right? Like, some of us, that's our plan, and nobody? Nobody? Okay. Well, that's good. We know we, we, know we don't have lazy people here. But for some of you, are, you're about to graduate high school. The friends that you've been friends with for the last 13 years of your life, the, friend, the people that you basically have been raised with, are gone, after this, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> didn't mean to spark some emotion. But summer's a time of change and transition for most of us, right? We, we 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 get out of having to get up early for school, right? We get we get out of the routine. We get out of whatever we're doing. But I think like I think of especially you, you seniors. You're about to move to a new school or start something new. And maybe you you'll walk into a school that you don't know anybody that's going with you. For the first time in your life, you get to pick the people you want to be friends with, right? You're not just raised with them. Have you thought about that? It's like wherever I go, the next step, whether it's college or whether it's a job, I get to pick the people I want to be friends with. For some of us, summer isn't like kind of a next step thing, right? It's like summer is kind of dull for us, right? Like it's like, well, pfft. I'm not going to see anybody now. I'm not going to go anywhere, right? Like, some of us, that can be our summer. But I think many students over the summer can, can have this time where we start to drift, right? Like, we either do nothing but work all summer, right? Do we have a few of those that are just like, dude, I'm a slave now. I just do nothing but work, work, work. Or we do nothing, but things end up slipping. Get away from me, fly. What the heck? <laughs> Throw all that sand all over me, Trey. Um, most. <laughs> and then on the flip side of summer, what happens when summer break is done? It's like, ah, oh, I gotta go back to prison school. I mean, school. I gotta go back, right? Like college students, like Jordan, you're just like, dudes. I'm already done. What are you guys doing, right? Like Jordan's been done like a month ago. Like he goes to college now. We. You know, they get things done in college, right? See? So anyway, you suckers, their, their summer's already started. Um, but we come back to school. But oftentimes when, when I talk with students when they get back from, from summer break, um, sometimes spiritually they come back and they're like the walking wounded, right? Like they come back and I'm like, hey, how was your summer? Good. What did you do? Oh, I did some pretty cool things. Like, hey, how's your how's your spiritual life? How did you like well how did that go? Did you did you get in? Did you dig in? Did you learn anything new? And they're like, about that. I barely made it, man. Like, I am lucky that I'm, you know, right? Like, we come in and like, you know, did you get time in the word? Nope. I didn't do any of that. <laughs> we ask him when I ask them how their devotional life is, what is God speaking to them? They're like, eh, I just bent that sand. Yeah, about that. I don't really get into the word. So tonight we're closing out the Can't Stop, Won't Stop series with a message that I think hits on this. Because this summer, I want it to be a summer that all of us focus on keeping a pure heart. Because you guys, keeping a pure heart is a major, major battleground that I don't think any of us think about, or most of us don't. Sometimes we just don't even understand it. We don't understand what that means to keep a pure heart. We often open ourselves up to anything and everything and wonder why we struggle, wonder why we can't hear from God, wonder why we can't feel God in our life. But tonight with the the scripture that we're digging into, Jesus will show us the the, the different, slow down, I, I had caffeine earlier. Jesus will show us the difference between tradition and truth show us the difference between clean and unclean and what that means. Up until, up until I was about 21, 22, I never lived a life where I ever cared or worried or even knew about protecting my heart. I was older than most everybody sitting in, in these chairs before that even became aware in my, in my life. The things that I did, the things that I said, the things that I ran into... Once it was opened, I couldn't close it back up, right? Like, the things that I was exposed to, I couldn't, like, oh, I, I, I'm not exposed to that anymore. There are still things that I run into that are consequences from not protecting my heart. As a kid, as a high schooler, my wife, on the other hand, she's somebody who, who did a really good job at protecting her heart. And I'm not just talking relationships. I, I, and and I, I commend her because I was the first person that she even like, considered dating. I can't say that for me. I didn't keep myself pure that way. I commend her for that, but in, in many other areas. And, and she's probably going to kill me uh, by sharing this story with you, but it's hilarious, so I have to. Um, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me, it's okay if you die because you need to share this story. i uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my wife, when she first started driving, she she, she admitted to me early in, in our dating, "What was that? <laughs> oh, was that? <laughs> yeah, our, guys, everybody, give a hand to our, our sunrise youth mascot is here tonight." <laughs> Charlie, you have to you have to bring her every night now. And so, anyway, but uh, my my wife, when she got her license, uh, she was not the um, what do I want to say, the most gracious of drivers. Uh, she was rather. She was a rather aggressive driver, um, and and if you know my wife, you know that she really doesn't have an aggressive bone in her body. Um, but when she would, anytime she would come into it, a disagreement with another driver, she did something that I never, never could see her doing. She would give the people the bird, and I'm like. When she told me that, I was like, "I didn't even know you were capable of that." I, you know, like, and so, but and so, like, I was just like, "What on earth?" I can, I like, and I way overreacted because I'm like, "I cannot believe you would have ever done that to somebody." And she's like, "What?" And I was like, "You know what that means, right?" She's like, "Well, yeah. It just means that they're a bad driver." <laughs> That's that's one way of putting it, Rachel. (laughs) And when I told her what it meant, she gets the biggest eye, like, okay, well, all right. She never did it after that, thankfully. Um, But my wife was, she, I always teased her that she was sheltered. Growing up, right? Because she's like, who doesn't know what that means? Like, everybody knows what that means. Um, but there's multiple areas in her life that, that are that are like that. Um, one of them being her, her first time at, at MSU College. She went to Northwestern for, for a year. So she went to a Christian school. Uh, she came to MSU and God really ripped open uh, the doors because she was used to being sheltered. And her first roommate bailed out of uh, MSU. Uh, and apparently, she didn't know this until after, uh, but apparently smoked... You, recreational things, um, and when her roommate failed out of MSU, uh, she's like, well, I don't need a bunk anymore, so she had the janitor come in and pull the bunk off the, you know, debunk the bunk beds, and the uh, janitor walks in, and he looks at her, and he's like, you smoking pot in here? She's like, what? No, is that what that smell is? She had no idea, like, what was going on, it was just things that were was like, how does everybody knows what that, like, you know, like, and I just came from this completely opposite background. But when she shared that story with me about her flipping the bird and not knowing what it meant, I've never laughed so hard in my entire life. Because <laughs> I was just like, "I am, okay, let me help educate you. But there have been many times and many situations where I look at that and I would have once said that that was a bad thing, right? I would have said she was sheltered. But now I see it as a wise thing, as a good thing. And one that I think And one that I wish most of us could cling to. Because if you're being sheltered, it means that most likely you're loved. Right? You have parents that care. You have parents that want to shelter you from those things. They want to protect you. Because once we lose our shelter, it's gone, you guys. Once we lose that innocence, it's gone. And there's nothing that can bring it back. Once the cat's out of the bag, when I was a little kid, that's actually how we got our first cat. I had a paper out. I stuffed the cat in the paper bag and uh, brought it back, and then I fed it hot dogs. The cat stayed. Uh, it worked out beautifully. But, but once the cat's out of the bag, there was no way I was going to stuff her back in because it was all claws after that, right? Like, and that's how I kind of view protecting our heart is like once the cat's out of the bag, there's no way that you're putting it back in. My parents never sheltered me. I experienced things at a pretty young age that I remember pretty vividly that I was like, I never should have been exposed to that. And you guys, I hear the same thing from some of you that you're processing through things that you should not be processing through. You need to be protected. God wants us to protect ourselves. What we say, where it comes from, So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew 15. We're going to kind of be going through a little bit bigger section of Scripture tonight, but I want to read through it, and then we're going to go through and point out a couple different things. But Matthew 15, verses 1 through 20. It says, Then the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And he answered them, "Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of tradition? For God commanded to honor your father and your mother, and whoever revels father and mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, "What, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father for the sake of your tradition. You made void the word of God, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah uh, prophesy you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And then in verse 10, what he called, And he called people to him and said them to them, Hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Then the disciples came to him and said, Do you know the Pharisees were offended when you heard them say, when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly father has planted will be rooted up. Let them alone, they are blind, let them alone they are blind guides. And if they if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the trap. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you still without understanding? So this is a little bit bigger section of scripture than what we normally go through, but I want to break it down a little bit because we see, we see Jesus kind of, Jesus isn't afraid of conflict, right? Sometimes we have this like passive view of Jesus, like, oh, he's just like peace and love, like uh, love everybody, give me a hug, come here. You know, like this is not what we see Jesus do here. Because we see the Pharisees, they, they see the disciples doing something that is spiritually unclean for them to do. Why do your, the disciples not wash their hands? And let, let's admit it, like sometimes that can be gross, right? Like you can watch somebody eat and you're like, dude, you're not going to wash your hands? You disgusting human being. You know, like, like, how did you make it this long? You know, like, I'm like what? I'm making my immune system stronger. You know, like, <laughs> but did you notice what the Pharisees do here? Because I believe Jesus is probably in the same spot. The Pharisees don't even go after Jesus. They go after his disciples, people he's teaching, people that are with him. They don't go after Jesus for how he's eating, but they go after his disciples and how they're eating. But Jesus doesn't use this like third-person conversation. He simply turns to him and says, why do you break the command of God for the sake of traditions? whew, he's not scared of confrontation, right? He sees right through what they're asking. Okay, you want to make this about them, but it's about you. And I'm coming after you. The Pharisees try to do this roundabout, like shoot around the the tough issue, like, man, your disciples don't wash their hands. Meanwhile, Jesus is going, listen, let's get to the heart of the issue. And I love that for the sake of traditions. You guys, we have traditions, right? It was just Ali's birthday. What is what is a birthday tradition? Cake. right? Like, and there's a giant delicious looking cake back there, right? Like it is lucky it has survived this long. (laughs) But we have those traditions, and some of us have family traditions of like like me growing up, we always had a, a birthday meal, right? Like What's your favorite meal? You get that on your birthday. Um, my dad always had this challenge, and it was super dumb now looking back on it. But he was like, you can have as many McDonald's hamburgers as you can eat, as, as, as you want on your birthday, but you have to eat them all. And I pounded 10 of those things, and I've never been so sick after that. It was just like, it was a big mistake. But we have traditions on holidays. We have tr- traditions on, like, Christmas and what families do. Culture gives us Traditions. And that's kind of what we're running into because we we see what Jesus runs through of honoring your father and mother. And we kind of, like some of us, we read that and we're like, I don't really know what he's getting at there. So you need to understand that. What's the fifth commandment? Honor your father and mother, mother, right? Amen, parents, right? We should have recorded that. So we like, you know that. But we need to understand what's really being said here because in, in a Jewish culture, it's expected for kids to watch and take care of their parents when they get older, right? Like, what do we do now? Stuff them in old folks' home. Like, not my problem. Here, you go here. We pay for it. <laughs> we pay for it. Maybe. Sometimes mom and dad pay for it too, right? But there's a way to financially get out of that. There's a way to get out of it, but at the same time look spiritual in doing so. And still skip the step of actually taking care of your parents. So basically, let's say you guys graduate from high school, you go get a successful job, and everybody has two cars, right? Like, you just have, like, oh, we have two cars. But your parents are older, they don't work anymore, their car breaks down. It's your responsibility to give them one of your cars. But instead of giving it to them, you give it to the church, Because it's a spiritual thing to do. Like, ah, man, I would have given you my car, but I gave it to the church. But the thing is, is that you keep the car, you still use the car, and it still sits in your garage. But it's the church's property now. That's what was happening here. This is what Jesus is getting at. This is how people are getting around the issue. It's basically a scuzzy way to look good. And not live up to what you're supposed to be living up to. Not live up to the fifth commandment of honoring your... That's good. You guys know that. Live it out now. No I'm kidding. <laughs> and this is what he means by you make, the vo- the, you make void the word of God. You're not doing it, you're not living it out. And I love how they, they bring up what Isaiah prophesied The people honors me with their lips, but their hearts, their heart is far from me. You guys, I picture that when Jesus is saying that. I would never want him to say that to me. You honor me with your lips, Tim. But your heart is far from me. That would crush me. Right? Like imagine somebody saying, like, imagine my like somebody you're close to. Or my like my wife is like, Tim, you say you love me with your lips, but I don't know you. That would crush me. teaching as doctrines the commandments of men basically teaching what culture thinks is okay what impacts you the bible or culture I was kind of thinking over a few different areas our sexuality is it defined by how God creates us or is it defined by our culture that we can be and do whatever we want purity purity is an old fashioned concept right Like, what is purity? I don't even know what that word is. It's no longer expected to remain pure until we're married. I just had a student last week I was meeting with. He 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 and another girl just started dating, and they kind of set up some boundaries up front. And he had some old high school friends where he's like, he told them like, hey, you know, I'm I'm starting to date this girl, and they're like, sweet. Have you made a move on her yet? And he's like, well, actually, we just came to an agreement that like we won't even have kissing in our relationship unless we're engaged. And they laughed him out of, the, out of the house that he was in. He's just like, and I was like, probably not the best place to share that, right? Like, like, the world doesn't get that. They don't get that standard. Who's defining purity, God or culture? Truth. If you believe that the Bible is inspired and without error and is the source of truth, culture would tell us that you're stupid, right? Science is the only way to truth. But you guys, the Bible and science are not exclusive, They can coexist. Anyone ever notice or read articles where it's like, scientifically proven that eggs will kill you from cholesterol. And then like a week later, there's another article of like, eggs, healthy source of cholesterol. You're like, wait a minute, what the heck? Where do I land here, right? Science wavers. It goes back and forth. Studies will contradict each other. And I even think of Christianity, of of what does a Christian look like? We have these sometimes unwritten rules, right? Like, you can't smoke, can't drink, definitely can't like tattoos, can't swear, must have a perfect life, and must not do anything fun, right? Whoa, hey. (laughs) Chill out. Chill out. But are these things that are, are more so tradition or truth? It comes from both sides, whether we're Christian or not. Tradition will not lead you to God. No matter where they come from. If traditions don't help us then, do I just believe really just coming to Wednesday nights, coming to Sundays? What really stops us from living? I can't stop, won't stop life then. Jesus kind of really gets after it in verses 10 through 20. He says it's not what not what comes goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. And then you notice verse 12. It says that the Pharisees were offended at hearing this. You guys, traditions, when challenged, it will be offensive. how many of you know people even in the church like it's like hey maybe we should do this a little differently what? that cannot happen like we have to do things the same way every Sunday for the rest of eternity right? (laughs) yeah traditions when challenged will always lead to offense why do you think we live in a culture of offense? like the the thing that's in is being offended right? like (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry if I offended you. <laughs> but the world around us is like the Pharisees. They just see the outside. They see the clothes we wear. They see the people we hang out with. They see the things that we do. They judge uh, They judge by what's on the outside. And when we tell them, it's like, oh, it's, not what, it's not what's on the outside that matters. It's what's on the inside. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You believe what you believe, and I'll believe what I believe, all right? Like, Right? And then verse 17 through 20, Jesus really gets into what he's saying and, and he explains it. And I kind of sum it down to this. Is it's is not what comes out that matters. Or it's not what comes in that matters. It's what comes out. God sees what's coming out of your heart. And that's what it all comes down to. For each and every one of us is our heart. It doesn't matter all the things that we do, all the traditions that we're stuck in, how culture defines us because the thing Jesus gets down to is our heart. And that's the only thing he cares about. He doesn't care how well put together our life looks on the outside. He doesn't even care what you look like. Some of us are like, hey man, thank you Jesus. Right? Like, (laughs) hey, easy. Easy. You are not a victim of what happens to you. It's what comes from you that matters. Tradition says that things that happen to us make us unclean. Jesus says, no, it's your heart that makes you unclean. Our heart is shaped by what we let it shape, frankly. Right? And I would ask you is it culture or is it God? God, I know that I have thoughts that I shouldn't have. God, I know that I get caught up in tradition. I get caught up in the things that are happening around me. God, I know that my heart sometimes seems out of control. One minute, I like this person. The next minute, I like this person. The next minute, I love this. The next minute, you know, like, sometimes we can be all over. But my prayer for you is Psalm 5110. And it should be our prayer. If our heart is out of control, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This comes from David, who's extremely messed up when you look at his life. But God honors that. He'll create a new heart in us. Can we put the cat back in the bag? No. But God will change the desires of our heart. And if this summer, if we go into the summer thinking, okay, I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm keeping my, uh, a pure heart this summer, God. If you keep that promise and stay focused on God, I guarantee you, you will never regret it. In fact, I promise you that. Because what I can tell you is I've been on the other side. Is that if you don't keep your heart pure, you will regret it. I can guarantee that. I've been there. When we keep our hearts focused on Jesus, it will guide your summer. It will guide what we do and don't do. Seniors, we have a handful of you that are graduating. It will guide your next steps. The school that you go to, what your major is, the friends that you pick when you're in college, who you hang around and who you don't hang around. What your influences are in your life. You guys, when we keep a pure heart, we will be in a place that we can't stop, won't stop, because we're protecting ourselves. God wants freedom for us. Culture wants us to be a slave to things. But how many times do we have that flipped around? Sometimes we feel like God wants us to be a slave. Culture wants us to be free. It is the opposite, you guys. It's okay to be sheltered. It's okay to be protected because it means that you're loved. And that's my prayer for sunrise youth this summer. Is that yeah, we'll lose some of the schedules. We maybe have a little bit more fun outside. But at the end of the summer, we can say that I was sheltered by Sunrise Youth because I was loved, because they cared, because they valued me, because I saw that God cares about it, because I want to live the way that God wants me to live. But the decision is yours. God is not going to force you to do that. You can walk away, you can walk out like in the next fall being a victim of the summer, like whoo-hoo hoo, barely made that one. But I'm back. But God doesn't want you to be a victim of that. We don't want you to be a victim of that. Because you're worth sheltering. And it starts with your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for the students that are here tonight that maybe maybe they're like me. Maybe they come from a background that they have not protected their heart. That they've exposed themselves to things that they shouldn't have been exposed to. God, Psalm 51 says that you can create in us a clean heart. God, we can't take back what we've experienced. We can't not have the consequences of what we've experienced, but God, you can change our thoughts. You can change our heart. You can change what comes out of us. And God, we cling to that hope. And Father, I pray for the students that are, that are maybe on the side of being sheltered, that they wouldn't look at what they're missing, but that they would see that, that behind the scenes, that they, that they have parents that love them, that shelter them, that want to help them keep a pure heart. Father, help us know that that's a battle worth fighting. Because you say what comes out of the heart, what comes out of our mouths is what leads us to evil. Father, I pray that this summer would be a summer that that we could experience more students coming to know you, more students experiencing your freedom than any other summer. That, Father, we can be wild and crazy and have fun, but when we get in here, we get serious with you. We walk out of here changed, challenged. Father, help us to live out your word. Help us to keep a pure heart in this place. Because my prayer for each and every student is that when we would walk in from this summer, like this was the best summer of my life. God spoke to me every day. I saw students' lives being radically transformed and we had fun doing it. Father, help us to keep a pure heart. Help us to have the attitude that we can't stop, won't stop because it matters. Eternity matters to people. And Jesus, give us the boldness like you did to to encounter Pharisees, to stand up for what is true and right, to do what your word says. God, we give you this time. We give you this night. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I just challenge you over the summer, find somebody that you can talk to that you can be accountable with and be like, how are we going to keep our hearts pure this summer? Hold each other accountable to that. I challenge you, do it. Can we do that? All right, let's go.